This is weird, being here, really, to be honest with you. It's been a long time since I've been here in this place with you. And um, it is quite nice to come speak somewhere where um, I didn't have to use sat-nav. Um, or, or, or have an armed guard, um, which I did in Pakistan a while ago, and was told definitely that there would be people in the congregation who would be there to report anything they didn't like to their, their chiefs. And if they really didn't like it, I might not get home. That's quite interesting when you're told that. Um, or on the back of a Buddha Buddha, which is what you get a lot of in Africa, a motorbike, which really is good for your prayer life, actually, going on the back of a Buddha Buddha, because uh, when you're all the time you're on it, you think, this could be the last trip I ever take. Um, and for some people, it actually is. But, or to be in the United States, where they don't use sat-nav, they use GPS, because that's what they call it there instead, which is what I used last week to get to the place I was speaking at in Tennessee, um, which is where I was last week. But it's great to be here, it really is. It is a bit weird, but it is great. And um, I, I, I want to... Thanks for letting me come back and speak to you after such a long time. Um, really appreciate Wayne. We'd, we'd never met before the other day when I rode to your house on my bike and we had a meeting, which was fun. Um, I've started riding bike a lot more. Alan Howe, I need to catch up with because he like does miles and miles, doesn't he, Alan? I've heard about Alan, so I'm miles behind you, mate. But I did do a 200-mile bike ride recently in north of France, which was cool. Um, it nearly killed me, but I did it, which was, which was good. That's it. I've heard from Alan, that's like just a daily sort of afternoon little time out. <laughs> but it, so as I think about speaking to you today, I think to myself, well, okay, what I do most of my life is go to a church, and then another one, then another one, and another one, and I kind of paint with a big paintbrush, a big picture. That's what I do. I'm not really a detail person. I come and paint a big picture. And what I'd like to do today, I, I want to see myself more, rather than being um, a church member who's speaking, I'd rather speak to you as if I'm not your church member, but someone that's come with that big paintbrush and just speak into what, what's happening and what I see. I'm prepared, I've got my clicker, and every, you always need a clicker, I've got a PowerPoint, so if I, do I have to do anything to make this start, or will it just do that, that's it, I have to point it that way. I wanted to start by saying congratulations uh, in this talk, because the, 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 your theme, the, which I think we've got, we know what it is now, don't we? Could you tell me what your vision statement is? Right, Jesus at the heart of everything. That's really, I wanted just to be sure, because I, I thought it was at the centre of everything, and then I wasn't sure, and, but it is the heart, isn't it? Which is actually probably pretty much the same thing anyway, really, isn't it? Jesus at the heart of everything. I wanted to congratulate you to begin with on such a great mission statement. What a fantastic thing to say, Jesus at the heart of everything. Here's the thing. If Jesus is at the heart of everything, can I tell you what might happen? Billy Ricky might actually come to know who Jesus is. That's a fact, I believe. But then I've, I've got this one next, a warning, a warning sign. Because it's possible, it's possible that we could use something as great as Jesus at the heart of everything to actually mean, that's a great mission statement, what we really, really mean is if we just kind of get that right, then Jesus might bless us and give us all the things that we want. We might, we might be a good church that we really want to be. And there's nothing wrong with that. But if we really take it seriously, we are setting us, the reason I put a warning sign is this, this, this vision statement is absolutely massive. I mean, it's not just massive, it's massive. It's vast, it's big, it's huge. So I'm going to speak on a big canvas, that's what I'm going to do. Wayne, I love the way you speak so down to earth, by the way, it's great. I love preachers that actually just say it as it is. Just say it, this is what the word says, this is what it means, let's do it. That's, isn't that the way it should be done? And I, as I say, I work with so many pastors around the world, they just spend all their life kind of flowering everything up, and making it what the people want. We're not about that, we can't be about that. This is what the truth says, let's just, let's just do it. So thanks, mate, for being like that. That really is important. 
And if we're going to be honest about the vision statement, this is going to make, now's your challenge. Because if you're you're going to speak the truth into that, and the other people that teach as well, let's, let's face it, we've set the bar very high. Do you agree with that? Jesus at the heart of everything, that is a high bar. Because the reality is, this is what it looks like. Oh, sorry, let's get to this first, then we'll get to what it looks like in a moment. This is the scripture I chose, I I thought I'd look at as we begin this. And I thought it'd be good if we could read it together, um, rather than me just read it to you. I find there's something quite powerful about reading God's word out aloud. Can you see it okay? Some of the churches I speak in now, it's great, they actually give you the font size. They tell you what font size to use for your PowerPoint. It's really funny. And which fonts not to use as well, because they don't work with their programs. It's really funny. But you, you didn't, so I guess. It looks like it's okay. So this is John chapter 15 and verse 1. Can we just, there's two pages of this. Let's read it together, can we? I am the true vine. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And the next page, oh, it's me, isn't it? Sorry, that's it. That's it. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. And in that, Jesus said these words, If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. (coughs) Do you believe that? If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Just take a look at it for a second. Let it sink in. 
what that says. And I, just ask yourself the question, do you really believe that? I know we do believe it, but do you really believe it? it there's believing and then there's believing, isn't there? There's believing something's true and then there's believing it's going to make a difference. And I think what most of us here, who are Christians, would actually say, yeah, of course, I know that. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Well, yeah. Yeah, I believe that. But somehow we can, actually, we can easily not accept that truth because we actually don't expect to bear any fruit. And then apart from me, you can do nothing. Which can sound a little bit like a threat, but I think it's a really good promise. Because what he means is, actually with me, you can do anything. Which he says in, elsewhere in the passage, isn't he? I'm quite a visual person. So as I see it, Jesus at the heart of everything looks a bit like this. Right in the middle is Christ. And all around it is everything. But right in the middle is Christ. Right there, bang, in the heart. The heart of the matter, the really important thing. But the challenge is this, that more often than not, Rather than Christ being at the heart of everything, I'm at the heart of everything. Me. Dennis Peathers, or whatever your name is. Because here's the, here's the truth. Isn't that much easier? Isn't, it much more, isn't that much more the natural state of things, for us just to be like that? And don't we live in a world which constantly tells us that I am the most important thing as long as I buy the product they're selling me? And actually what we're surrounded by, we're living in a world constantly where we're told, make yourself the number one, you're the most important thing. And if you exaggerate that and elaborate that and stretch it out, what we're being told constantly in all the world now is everybody just needs to be themselves. Whatever they are, whoever they are, just be you. You, you matter, that's the anthem of our age, isn't it? Whoever you are, it's all about you or me, being me. I'm not knocking any group when I say this. I'm just saying this is the fact, isn't it? I identify as this or that or whatever I do. I'm me, me, me. It's all me, me, me. Everything's me, me, me. And the challenge is that we as Christians live in that world. And we get touched by it. We get influenced by it constantly. It's all, and so what can easily happen is we think about our faith in Jesus as being about me. Me, sorry. <laughs> Don't we? We, we kind of get into this thing of, well, yeah, I, I've got my faith is in Jesus, I'm going to get this, I'm, and, it, and it can so easily be about me. And what happens then is this, that we live in this natural condition where that happens. I'm in the middle, me, all these other things are around me, and somewhere floating in the everything is Jesus. He's kind of there. He matters, he's important, as part of the everything, he's, a big, he's an important thing in the everything, but he's not the thing. Does this make any sense? And you might look at that, if, if this were a Sunday school class for young children, I would say, now children, let's get a pen and pencil, and let's draw that, and what I'd like you to do is to draw your circle of where Jesus is, how big is it, and where is it? I'm not going to ask you to do that, because you're all adults, but now you're all doing it. And for some of you who aren't Christians, he's nowhere. And for most people in Maliriki, he's nowhere either. But for us, many of us whom are Christians, he's somewhere. He could be right in the middle. But that's a high bar. He's not right in the middle for me. I want him to be, but I know he's not. Because it's so easy, things distract me, get in the way. Um, all kinds of things can cause that not to happen. Um, Whether Jesus to be in the middle. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a sinner still, are you? And I find it so easy to still be about me. It's just so easy. I don't even have to work at that. I don't have to go to a seminar, a session, I don't even listen to a sermon, nothing. I just wake up in the morning and it's it. It just happens. It's me. Ha! Do you find that too? 
That's why I said the bias set pretty high, because the, the reality is that when we think about ourselves, me tends to be the most important thing, most of the time. And that can even impact the way that, and I'm going to come to this a bit later on, that can even impact the way we be church, I'll come to that a bit later on, because we actually want church to be for me too. But if we just think about it, just a few things here for a moment. If we mean Christ, Jesus, is at the heart of everything, just pick out a few things that might mean. It might mean our, our relationships with people. That we actually look at people in the way that Jesus looks at them. And we, and, and we, we see them in the way that he wants in such a way that we're prepared, because of Christ's love for me and for them, we're prepared to lay down our own rights, our own preferences, our own things that we think and actually love somebody else for who they are. That, that, that's a part of it, isn't it? That's easy, isn't it? Whew. Dennis, you're making this too easy for us. It's hard, isn't it? Our resources, the things we have, none of them. I, I've got a friend in America, his name's Marion, he's a man, he's called Marion. I always have to explain that to people because when I say I'm travelling with Marion, people think, you should be doing that, what does Lynn mind? Well, Marion is every bit of man. It's just that in America they have funny names. They can't help it. Um, but he, he is a guy, I can tell you, this guy, he's amazing. Everything that he owns, he just says, it's all Jesus's, everything. It's all, it's all the Lord's, everything. It's not mine, it's his. He, he's, he's trusted it to me to share. That's what he says. He actually means it. Not all the time. He's not perfect, but he's largely got that. But it's tough, isn't it? Do you think? I think it's hard. I think it's actually hard to say, especially when we've worked hard and we've done well and we're whatever, in business, whatever, we're on a good whack or whatever we're on. It's very hard to say, actually, this is all Jesus, isn't it? It's hard. I'm not saying you can't do it, but it's just hard, isn't it? Because we actually can think, this is me, I've done this, me, it's me, it's mine. We can all do that. Morality as well. The way we live. Things we do, the choices we make about how we're going to live our lives. It's very easy to actually be things the Bible tells us not to be and still be a Christian. Most of us are. The Bible talks about if we're going to be living for Jesus, well, a lot of things that are typical of the life of people that don't shouldn't be in us. We shouldn't be angry, we shouldn't be jealous, we shouldn't be prideful, we shouldn't be sexually immoral. I mean, you can go on and on and on with all the different things that they are. But do you find it easy to let those things go or difficult? My guess is that it's not easy. And people get addicted, Christian people get addicted to all kinds of <coughs> bad behaviour that isn't Christ-like at all. And here's what happens, I think, so often. And I'm just being honest. I told you I was getting hit with the big bat. I'm just giving you the big picture. Wayne can do all the clever stuff as he's preaching this week after week. But, but the big picture is this. If we're serious about Jesus, colon, the heart of everything, we've got to recognise that there's some deep, deep, deep digging that's going to go on in each of us if that's going to be reality. Because the truth is that those words... It's like so many songs, Christine, you're saluting... So, you know there's so many songs are so easy to sing... I was speaking in a church last week, a massive church in, in Tennessee last week. There are four services because um, they can't get everyone in. And at the end of everyone, we sang the same hymn. I surrender all. You know that song? Oh, that's so easy to sing, isn't it? Oh, it's just easy. Oh, I surrender all. It's easy. Even if you can't sing, it's still easy to sing. I surrender all. It's a doddle, isn't it? Okay, now let's do it. So it's a high bar. And, and I think that I wanted to say that because if we were serious about it, you see, here's the thing. Billericay and where you live, because not everyone here lives in Billericay, Billericay and where you live needs to see Christian people who are living a life in such a way that those things that they can't overcome themselves, Jesus is overcoming, so they are putting Jesus at the centre so they can see there's something different about Christians. 
If they see us just the same as them, then what we have to say makes no difference to them at all. So I don't know where Jesus is in your circle. My guess is that you wish he was in the middle, if you're a Christian, but if you were honest, you'd say he's not. And he's somewhere else, and you'd want him to be coming closer. And I would say this, if, we're less, if that's what we're longing for, then that's actually the right place to be. Because if we think we're ever going to get him completely in the middle, we're probably, probably tricking ourselves. But the process of being made like Christ is something which is really important. Let me just uh, go to the next one. I want to look at how, how do we get... Now, this, this is where it gets really tough. Now, this is where you might wish you'd not ask me to come speak today. Because now I'm going to get into what I think the Bible gives us a solution to this. And it really isn't easy. Because this is what... It, I've, got, I've got a few scriptures that I think really are about this. This is the Apostle Paul writing. This is what he says. I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's a thought. It seems to me... The only way to get me out of the middle and Christ in the middle is to do what Paul says there and be crucified with Christ. (sighs) This is easy, isn't it? What does he mean by that? Well, let me hit another one. He says this, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. And those things, you you could list and list and list what those things are, but basically what he's saying is this. This is the hard thing for us as Christian people to really grab a hold of if you're going to keep this really high bar vision statement, Jesus, colon, the heart of everything, that we have to put some things to death. Because as long as they live, they they take our attention. They they, they divert us away. If there are things that really matter to us, if they become important priorities in our life, if they're still living in us, then they are the things that motivate us each day. So, for example, if we want to get loads of money, and that's our motivation, that's what we're going to wake up with the desire to do. If we want to be doing all sorts of pleasure things that are just about me and nobody else, that's what we're going to wake up each day and want to do. Unless we say, right, no, I'm putting those things to death, they live. And if they live, they attract our attention. And if they attract our attention, what happens is that that middle of that circle... Jesus goes, hmm, and I go, I like it here. I know Jesus should be here. Are you with me? And I wish wish the Bible just said, well, if you want Jesus at the centre, just be a nice person, turn up at church on Sunday, and you'll be good to go. But it doesn't. It actually says, put to death, therefore. Live as though this is no longer the way it should be. Jesus said when he first called his disciples, you you know what he said, don't you? If anyone would come after me, he must... Some of you know. Go and say it aloud. Let's say it together. If anyone would come, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. Deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. So he said at the very beginning, this isn't just Paul's addition. In the very act of doing this, there is this need for denial of self. Here's the good news, by the way. So when we do put Jesus at the centre, everything actually begins to make sense and life is actually a lot better. We just don't believe that enough to do it. That's the, that's the truth. Another verse. He, we, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his light image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Here's the thing. I think often as Christians we believe this. Many of us as Christians believe this. When we become a Christian, what happens? What happens to us when we become a Christian? Huh? Someone just said it. 
Oh, I can always rely on Jackie. I've heard Jackie give me an answer for years. He's always right. Go on, Jackie. Let's hear it. What? We receive the Holy Spirit. We're born again. God goes ping and comes to live. So God actually does come to live in the centre of us, doesn't he? That's what happens. We receive the Holy Spirit. Here's a challenge. I think sometimes it's the way some churches teach, and not others, but some, that we say, that's it. We've got the Holy Spirit. Bang, we're good to go. We're done. No, we're not. That's the beginning. That's where it started, not where it finished. And here's the thing, when we talk about Jesus being at the centre or the heart of everything, the only way that can happen is if the Holy Spirit lives within us, we allow that Holy Spirit to actually change us, as it says there, to be transformed into his image, like Jesus. He changes us to be like Jesus, so we actually can do it, yes? Yes. Come on, yes? yes? It can happen, it's not impossible, it's just blinking hard. But it can happen. But for it to happen, we can't just coast and hope it might happen one day. We've got to be willing to do with determination what it says, and that is, yes, Jesus, I will follow you, and I will, I will actually put to death these things, because I know if I keep on letting them live, they're going to keep on distracting me. But if I, if I do, this is the great news, if I do say, right, Lord, I'm going to, I'm going to get, this is going to go, I'm going to actually turn away from it, I'm going to act as if it's not living anymore, what happens is the Holy Spirit says, wow, yes, now we can start doing something, and he can change you. Do you believe? Yes, you do. Do you believe the Holy Spirit can change you? Yes. I mean, big time. Yes. Not little, big. He can, can't he? Some of you could stand up here and get in that microphone and take the rest of the day telling us how he's changed you already, couldn't you? But here's the amazing thing. Even though we believe that, sometimes, even though we know he did it yesterday, we still don't believe he can do it tomorrow. But this, this church, you, people, not this place, you, you are a community of people being transformed. That's who we are, isn't it? A community of people being transformed. That's who we are. And as long as we will allow that to continue and stretch us beyond anything we could ever do ourselves, then we could see something happen which would be truly remarkable. But if we limit God to our own capacity, we might as well give up now. And then Paul says this, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Jesus Colon, at the heart of everything. This is Elijah. His name is Elijah Valcastel. He lives in Sierra Leone. That's his wife. And he is the rooftop senior pioneer for West Africa. I was, in, I was in Elijah's house a number of years ago now. We sat there together. And his house is different from most of our houses. Um, and he's got a little table outside of it, which you put things on and they fall off because the ground is so unlevel around it. So don't put your drink in it, otherwise you won't drink it. It's as simple as that. And I was sitting there, and, and Elijah was saying to me that um, he wanted to take the gospel to the southern regions of Sierra Leone, which is the country he lives in. Um, which is okay, except that the, in, in Sierra Leone, in the southern regions where he lives, there are still quite a lot of people that eat people. They're still there. There are many of them in the southern regions of Sierra Leone. Um, And so I said, I'm from England, so we're into health and safety. (laughs) And and cannibalism is probably not high on the list of how to live a health and safety life, really, I wouldn't think. So I said to him, sitting there being a respectful British leader, thinking of health and safety, I said, Eli, are you sure you should go to the southern regions? You might die. You might get eaten. And when I say that, it almost makes you laugh. But here's the reality... He actually might. That's the crazy thing. He actually might. It's not like a, a movie. This is real. He could. And, and I said, you might die. And, he, and as I say to him, you might die. In the background is his wife and his little daughter. So he's a dad. He's not just on his own. That's his wife there. And they've got a little daughter as well. 
And I'm thinking, if you die, what are they going to do? I said, you might die. And he looked, this is, he looked back at me, just across his little table, shaking as he was talking. And so matter of fact, this is what he said to me. He said, I can't do Sierra. I can do some Africa. I'm not very good at Sierra earlier. I mean, it's Dennis. That's how he speaks. Dennis. He's only little like me, but he's got a big voice. I wish I had his voice. I could do a lot more radio then. Um, Dennis, he said. And this is what he said. I'm not going to give you the voice because it will distract you. This is what he said. He said, Dennis, Jesus died for me. Why would I not die for him? Bang. No, no show. Nothing sensational. He wasn't waiting for an orchestra to play. It, for him, was the most natural thing in the world to say. I told this story last week in America. And somebody came up to me and said, oh yeah, but it's different in Africa. It's different there. What that person meant, I didn't say this, I wanted to. Have you ever wanted to say something so badly that you actually feel an ache by not saying it? Well, I, I did. What I wanted to say was, what you mean is, you've got so many other things in your life that are more important than Jesus that you could never easily say what he could do. Well, that's what you mean when you say it's different in Africa. Your life is filled with so many other things in your everything. <laughs> but for him, there's so little things in his everything that right in the middle of his everything... Not right, because there are still other things for him too, but really importantly is actually for me to live is Christ. To die is going. How much longer have I got? A couple more minutes? Can I go to one more point? Is that all right? Okay, I will then, thanks. <laughs> just quickly. Because um, I wanted just to speak about this for a minute as well. Remember, I'm just painting the big picture. That's all I'm trying to do. I'm your friend coming to you and saying, as I see this, as a visiting preacher, I do this in any other church I went to anywhere in the world. I'm just saying, this is what I want to put before you as a challenge and an encouragement. If we're serious about Jesus, colon, at the heart of everything, then, then there's the other problem. It's not just me, it's we. It's us. And, and as I put here, um, Christ, again, can easily be pushed out of our community life too. We, Christine, you were singing, we sang in that song about this is Jesus' church. We all know that. But we can actually know it, but then live as if it's not true. And we actually get quite careless often in our language. We say, this is our church, my church. It's the amount of pastors that say to me, Dennis, come and preach at my church. And I say, well, I would, you haven't got one. It isn't your church. And people say, welcome to our church. I say, well, it's not yours. It isn't. Um, and here's the thing, that we say Christ is the head of the church, and he is, but we can so easily live as if that's not the case, and we think we are, it's ours. And it's, often it's just careless language that got us there. <coughs> but here's the thing, we is made up of lots of me's. There's a deep theological point for you there to consider. <laughs> we is made up of lots of me's. The church is us. And that's all of us me's. So if all of us me's are actually struggling to have Christ at the centre of everything, then we are going to be too, aren't we? Because it's just the sum of us, it's the sum of who we are. And you see, I haven't got time, the time is running out now, and I've got my family coming for dinner. They're all here, by the way. Did you know it's my family here? This is the first time I've had my family in church together like this for so long. It's so cool to have them here. Some of them have been before in church, ever. So make them feel welcome, won't you? They're really nice people. Um, but I haven't got, I wish I had more time, Wayne. I've talked with you about it perhaps sometime, but but I think the challenge with this, we, the church, we being made up of lots of me's, is what that can so often lead to is people start wanting church to be what I want it to be. How many churches across the world have fallen out with each other because of worship? How, how can that ever be? 
God is who's worshipped, and I don't want to talk to you because you worship differently to me. When I first became a Christian, I went to a church in Dagenham, Beckentry Avenue Baptist Church, where he. And I hadn't been a Christian very long, and they went to this other church down the road and had a big party, sort of, with lots of churches together. And we were singing during this time, and I knew nothing about anything then, really, except Jesus was pretty good and I loved him. And I found myself in this song, I did this, I just raised my arms in the air. And this lady, Baptist lady, tapped me on the shoulder and said, Are you Pentecostal? <laughs> I said, I don't know. <laughs> am I? Am I? I don't know what I am. But here was the thing, that would have been a problem to her. It's crazy, isn't it? It's madness. And yet it happens all the time. And people go from this church to that church to another church because they like this better or that better. I met a lady in a church in America once who told me she started going to this church, not that one, because this church makes better coffee. It's madness, isn't it? It's absolute bonkers madness. But here's the thing, we can all be so much like it because we actually think church is for me. My church. And sometimes, friends, I say that, I know lots of you pretty well, so I can say this, haha. But sometimes, the longer we've been in it, the more we think it's mine. My seat. My mother says that sometimes. Someone sit in my seat. I say, Mother, it's not your seat. <laughs> she, she puts her hands on her hips. <laughs> Somebody was sitting in my seat. No, they weren't. You ain't got one. <laughs> we can all do it, can't we? Sorry, I didn't mean to pick on you. Can't we do that so easily? Oh, I didn't like the choice of hymns today. That Christine always picks those kind of hymns. <laughs> oh, do you know what I'm, I'm joking, but I'm serious too. Because he goes into deeper and deeper things as well. Meanwhile, Billericay is on a, on a high road to nowhere, and yet we can in church spend so much time thinking, it's my church for me, that we forget what the church really is. It's Jesus' church with a mission, that is to save this city. Amen. Let me finish by telling you this, because of time. Um, oh yeah, let's go beyond that. Because I, I just want to tell you this. I want to leave you with this picture, and I'm done. Now, I've taken a few minutes longer. Forgive me for that, but if you know me, I'm always a bit longer than I said I was going to be. I always start off by saying I'm a short speaker, then speak for a long time. Anyway. But I want to just tell you this to finish with. Dave Lodge could tell you this story as well. Elder Dave, because he was with me when this happened. We were in Mombasa, Kenya, a few years ago, a couple of years ago. We'd been doing one of our rooftop encounter things. I'll tell you this story to think of a picture of what we, being a church united, changing a city, could look like. And it's a massive challenge as well. We're in Mombasa, Kenya. We did one of our big rooftop things with hundreds of leaders from all over East Uganda came, Eastern Kenya came to it. After it, I sat down with a pastor and had lunch with him. And I said, tell me about Mombasa. Please listen to this and think about, not Mombasa, Kenya, but think about Billerigi, England. It'd be different, but there's a similar thing going on here. And I, he said, well, Mombasa, he said, it's 50% Christian and 50% Muslim, but it won't stay that way. So I said, what do you mean it won't stay that way? I hope you didn't say there's going to be a great big move of God. But he didn't. He said, the Muslims, what they're doing, he said, is firstly, he said, they're buying all the buildings in, in Mombasa now, the ones that the Christians used to own, and they're Islamizing them. This is what one looks like. That used to be a building that looked nothing like that. The Muslims bought it and then they built Islamic stuff all around it because they want all the people in Mombasa to think they live in a Muslim city, so they're making it look Muslim, intentionally doing that. They want people to feel like this is a Muslim place because if you want to reach the people, just make them feel like they're in a Muslim city. It's much easier than to make them Muslim. Do you understand what I'm saying? And then the second thing they're doing, he said, is what they're doing is they're making sure that Muslims get put into all the places of influence in the city. In education, health, business, everything. Government, politics, the whole lot. 
get Muslim people put into the places of most influence in the city so that all the decisions that are made by the city are about how do we prosper Islamic people the most. And then, everyone becomes a Muslim. That's their strategy. So their strategy is not to start with one little church and say, how do we change the city? So how do we change the city? And then we're going to reach the people. Am I making sense? Then I asked him this. I said, what is the church doing in response? Now, I'm pleased to say he wasn't exactly right in what he said, because I've spoken to other people and he didn't get this quite right, but this is what he said. I said, what's what's the church doing in response? He said, we meet in our congregations every Sunday, we sing to Jesus and ask him to send people to church. That's why it's changing. We're in our little groups doing our little thing. Meanwhile, the Muslims are changing the big picture. My friends at Billericay Baptist Church, I don't know when I'll see you next, but I do want to say this to you. If we are serious about Jesus, colon, the heart of everything, the heart of Jesus is for this city to be transformed by his church. And we is not just we. There are many other groups of people in this city as well that call themselves Christians. That's the we. And if we together will say, Jesus, we will step outside of who we are and join you in who you are, then there is hope. Do you believe that? Would you mind standing up? I want to ask you to just do something very simple and I'm done. I'd like to ask you if you would, just, if you're willing, you haven't got to do this, and I know not all of you are Christians, so don't, if you're not a Christian, don't feel in any way obliged to do this at all. But if you are, and this message about what this really means has just struck you in some way, and you want Jesus to do something in you, to make it possible for you to really get him into the centre of everything. Now, like, this is all I'd like to ask you to do. Just raise your arms in the air. doesn't make you a Pentecostal. <laughs> Although it wouldn't matter if it did. Just raise your arms in the air, as high as you can, till you can feel your ribs. And just in your own words, just for a minute, then we'll sing again, just in your own words, using your words and your expressions, just cry out to God and ask God to do in you what he needs to do, and you know it, to do in you what he needs to do so that you can become, or become increasingly becoming, who it is that he needs you to be for this to happen. Just do that now. If you want to say it loud, say it loud. If you want to say it quietly, just say it quietly. But just take a minute to do that, and then Christine will lead us in a song.